Hey, what's up, everybody? Just want to start by asking you to go to iTunes, and if you're listening on iTunes devices, Apple devices, just leave a review. And then follow me on social media, Instagram, Average Joe's uh, Beer Podcast. You can get me on Untapped and Twitter at uh, JoeBob41. And always you can always go to like, the Facebook page. So I'm recording this intro from my uncle's uh, beautiful lake house uh, just north of Minocqua, Wisconsin, uh, out in the north woods, just uh, looking at uh, the beautiful water here on Sparkling Lake. Pretty badass stuff. So figured I'd get an intro down. I had an awesome episode with the guys over at Pollyanna, Vince, uh, Vince, the assistant brewer, Brian, uh, co-founder and brewer, and Paul Sakura. They were great guys. Had a lot of fun. Sat down with them for a couple hours and just talked about Pollyanna. And they've been around for so long. Everybody knows who they are. Heavy distro in the area, but they got some great things happening. They got two tap rooms, Roselle and uh, the one in Roselle. And you get the I, I met them over in the one in Lamont. What a great great spot. The beer was awesome. They got all kinds of new stuff coming out with Fun Size and other beers. Uh, yeah, you're not going to want to miss this episode. They were great, and I uh, hope you enjoy it. So without further ado, here's Pollyanna. All right, we're rolling now, guys. I just want to, first of all, start off by saying thank you, thank you, thank you for three of you guys sitting down with me and welcoming, in, welcoming me into the space here at uh, Pollyanna in Lamont. So let's let's go let's go around the horn here and introduce ourselves, starting with the man across from me. Sure, I'm Brian Pavola. I'm the head brewer here at Pollyanna and one of the co-founders. Uh, my name is Vince Hansen, uh, one of the assistant brewers here. My name is Paul Socorro. I'm the official president and CEO. <laughs> Boom. He just dropped that one. I even have the card in front of me. See? It's legit. I don't put that on the card, though. He doesn't. He, he does. <laughs> He's oh, so modest. Did we just have a talk about hum- humility? I mean, that's beautiful, guys. Sales and marketing. But seriously, I just want to say thank you guys for doing this. Of course. I mean, yeah. I know Thanks you guys coming. got shit to do. I know you guys got things to do. So on a Tuesday night here, right after Memorial Day, me invading your space with my microphones and computer. I appreciate you taking the time out and saying what's up. So, well, when I walked in here, you were furiously at work, Vince. Yes, I am in the middle of cleaning up for the rest of the day, so I'll be popping in, popping out. So basically, he's got timers set. There's going to be beeps and <laughs> things going off. So what are you doing? You're, you're just finishing up a what? Yeah, uh, so we're just finishing up a double brew day. Um, did uh, 30 barrels of Lexical Gap today, so... And the fermenter ready to go. What, for those of you who might not know Pollyanna, which is very rare, but uh, what, what's Lexical Gap? Lexical Gap is our uh, one of our flagship IPAs. Uh, it's on all year long. It's really good. Um, it's probably one of my favorites. It's not like overly malty or overly like. It's it's very balanced, very good. Um, six of those grapefruit kind of kind of notes, orange peel for me. So I enjoy it. So what what kind of hops? What kind of build is that? For that bad boy, has it changed over the years, or? Um, uh, it lexical gap. Uh, it hasn't really changed over the years too much. It's gotten a bit more rounded over the years, I guess. Yeah. Um, it used to be a little bit more dry because it's a West Coast IPA, so the West Coast thing used to be more in with the whole dry, brash bitterness. So now we kind of softened it up a little bit over the past couple years to fit the profile of who we're selling to see i think that's really interesting okay so the the west coast thing that i mean people probably have to go back and look at their old like untapped posts to remember that west coast ipas were like cool yeah, they remember those? Love those we <laughs> yeah. still love drinking those little hop kicks to the face 
So, so you do you do play with it though when you're watching the market, kind of, huh? For sure, it's uh, it. There's nothing wrong with that either. I mean, it's it's something that you should do. And why would you keep a beer tasting the same as a old, outdated style? You're a stubborn not asshole. Saying, that's yeah. what. <laughs> <laughs> not saying a West Coast style IPA is outdated, but um, I mean, if you're not changing the beer to the market, then you're probably just doing it wrong. So what what goes into that though transitioning it like is it just hop changes or is it like timing is it bo- like is it, does it really affect the brewing process big time or is it like just slight variations It's super minor variations in water and and hops Water Not, okay yeah. so you're just changing the is it mo- like a mouthfeel thing combined yes. with a okay Yeah it's all mouthfeel So one one of the things we do here at Pollyanna that's pretty unique is we use reverse osmosis water uh, so our water is super filtered um because we actually don't use Chicago water here. It's well water. So we have to Ooh. basically strip everything out and make it suitable for brewing wow. and then build it back up. Is that a crazy process or is that like something, is that a way more steps versus what you do, what you see at like a normal brewery your size? or? Uh, it adds about zero steps to us because mm. it's just an automatic thing that happens overnight. Dig it. Um, it adds a little bit of technique and developing water water profiles but and uh, expense and that's expense. that's where i was going next paul <laughs> i'm glad that you caught that because that was what i was thinking so that's a whole nother like piece or multiple pieces of equipment then i take it or it was out of the gate uh we had to come up with um we had to come up with the ro system we went with a, a large culligan system um and when you really start off it's not one of those things you want to have to invest a lot into um, we probably would have liked to have leased one, but because we were brand new, nobody wants to loan money to people who <laughs> haven't made a penny yet. So we had to get it in. We had to put it, uh, it had to be part of what we were doing because the uh, deep aquifers here in Lamont uh, that provide the water are not ideal. So when Brian determined that this wasn't going to be ideal for our beer uh, and all the styles that we wanted to brew, you bite the bullet and you do what's right for the brand and for the beer. What's that process like, though, initially then? So, so you, Brian, you're, you're stating that this is not good. Like, this is just something you knew based on what was coming out? Or did you actually, like, run through experiments and run the pH and do all the testing on the water initial? Does it be like, hey, let's make sure we need this? Yeah. Um, so, obviously, when we were starting, I mean, there's a budget and you go over it very quickly. Um, so, the RO system wasn't included in that initial budget but uh with my education in brewing in the background i studied a lot about or i studied a lot about water when i when i trained in germany for that so i didn't know that lamont was not chicago water but we had the water tested and it came back and it was it well was water. brutal yeah <laughs> and it was brutal yeah it, w- it was uh it was basically suited for um, super salty stouts. <laughs> okay. And that's about all you could make. I'm trying of it. to think, yeah, could you? Nope, can't build a brand on that, can no. you? No. <laughs> I mean, we could probably make fun size with it, actually. Okay. Don't start talking about fun size. <laughs> I, want, I want one right now. That's like, uh, that's the jam right there. So, Paul, did you just have to back up a Brinks truck then to the get the RO system? Is that how that worked? Or is that like you found a reasonably priced one? <laughs> I would, it was reasonably priced. It wasn't. It wasn't the uh, the Cadillac, but it was certainly uh, um, the system that we needed to have at the time, and it still and it works fine. 
Um, it's a lot like what you have in your house when it comes to the RO because Culligan drops off the bags of salt. This thing regenerates at night pretty much like you do in your house. So it's, it's a kind of sight unseen as far as I'm concerned. Okay. So, so the Culligan man, does he stop in and have a beer when he's dropping off the salt? Does he? I mean, what's going on with that? That's like that's got to be. People got to think that's funny because they hear Culligan. You're just, you know, you he, think of water coolers. You don't think of you know, yeah. <laughs> deli- deliciously roed water for uh, he brewing generally consumption. stops by in the morning and he's has not a beer. Yeah, I figured. Mood th- I knew those point. Culligan guys. Yeah, <laughs> they're so professional. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about the. I, I don't know. We didn't use the word trend, but you know what we're what we were looking at. So the West Coast has brought us something else now recently, and sure. you guys seem like you're doing a good job with it because it tastes delicious. This is the uh, what? Did, what did you guys classify that as? Extra champagne brute or? breakfast. It's a extra brute style IPA. Extra. What makes it extra brute versus just brute style? I've seen brute style. Does it matter? I think that's a question for champagne word. makers. Good I'm point. not really sure the difference between those. That's right. We don't dabble in that stuff. We're not fancy. <laughs> but, uh, but talk about this style a little bit, because I think this is kind of new to some people's ears. I've seen uh, Maplewood with one. Uh, Sound Growler does a great one. I've seen I've seen a few pretty good ones so far. Sure. So the, the guys out west were doing basically a 75% Pilsner malt, 25% corn base to super lighten the body and make it very light in color, uh, almost champagne color. And then they were adding a enzyme to post or fermented beer to basically break down the large or long chain sugars into small sugars that yeast can ferment. So in a normal beer, there's always dextrins and long chain sugars that don't ferment that give it body and sweetness and a mouthfeel. Um, but this enzyme breaks those down into fermentable sugars. So it dries to lower than zero or lower than one on the density level. So it's, uh, it's super dry and yeah, it's pretty cool. So we, we did that too. It's a flaked corn Pilsner malt base. We added flaked a corn Pilsner malt base. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of stuff happening right there. Actually, it's not that much. Uh, it's just right. two ingredients. Uh, <laughs> we got a lot of home brewers that listen. I am not one of them. Uh, sure. I definitely have brewed some extract batches, but uh, but it's always fascinating to hear like the little tweaks. I feel like this fly, this is flying in the face of, of double dry hopped, uh, thick mouth field IPAs. Yeah. How it's, dare it's you? It's completely That's all different. I say. <laughs> How dare you? No, it's cool. It's like, is, it, is the goal that that light mouth you know no no mouthfeel almost really you know it's just like a bubbly delicious you know hops play the front the front runner i mean is it a flavor thing or i think it's more of a, a palate feel thing it's dry it's effervescent and it's not very bitter uh but it is definitely loaded with dry hops so you get all that that kind of west coast american i, I taste them character. like they're there for sure oh, yeah. yeah that and color you know, is different though you know yeah, so it's really, light. really light. Yeah, it's uh, the name, the style kind of confuses, I think, some people that are new to it. Like <laughs> I it's can not, see that. It doesn't necessarily taste like champagne. Well, be our educator. Sure. Tell us. Like, um, I mean, there's some guys that are doing it that way. They're adding hops that are kind of white wine and grape, which is a really good idea. But we took it more like a West Coast style, so... <laughs> I mean, you can do anything with it, I guess. So what kind of the hops did you throw at this one? 
This one was Citra and Mosaic. So those are those tend che- to work cheater well. hops that people oh, they're tend not to like. Cheater hops, don't say that. <laughs> they're available hops, is right? They are available. Man, they're available hops that yeah. are delicious <laughs> and super juicy. Yeah, because everybody wants juicy and crushable beers, right? For that's sure. A, that's I'm being sarcastic, but yes, that is true. Um, no, it's a cool style, and I've seen it popping up more often. So I thought, you know, why not? Why don't we have a little uh, education corner with Brian here and explained. Yeah, I think the uh, the West Coast got jealous that the East Coast was getting all the attention. They really were. So they it had got, to come out with something it's new. It's gotten again. bad. It's gotten bad, right? Yeah. I mean, not that not that I don't love them. I mean, they're delicious, all of them, the East Coast style IPAs. But it's good to see this because you're starting to see, like, did you travel or something and see this and you're like, oh, we got to do one of these? Or is it something uh, that you were just kind of like reading about? Actually, I think I saw a Facebook post about it, and that was the first time I ever heard about it. So social media put me in touch with the ah, style of beer. The beauties of social media. It's all positive 100% and no negative, right? No? Correct. No, all the time. Wait, wait what? <laughs> so you guys have two joints, right? You got you got Roselle, too. That was kind of news to me a few months ago when I started reaching out to you, Vince. I, I didn't realize you guys had a spot in Roselle, too. So what's the tie? I mean, how do, how do they operate RO water up there, too? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's not RO up there, is it? It's Chicago. Chicago water up in Roselle. Um, both tap rooms at this point operate um, basically with the with the same beer. We've got uh, 12 lines here in Lamont. Uh, actually, what? More than that, right? 15. We've got 15 lines here and 24 up in, uh, up in Roselle. A bigger tap room. We kind of learned our lesson here in Lamont that, uh, you know, to have a bigger tap room. We're fortunate enough to have a beer garden up there, so we have about a seating for 100 inside, 100 outside. And here Whoa, in Lamont, that's we have massive. We've got 46 inside, and we pick up uh, we pick up about another 50 or so outside when the weather is good. You get you got a nice little outdoor visual too. I mean, it looks really nice here in Lamont. I mean, but to think that Roselle has 100 and 100, that's pretty crazy. Definitely, we want to do. Uh, we really we're looking for. Uh, you know, you, you learn your lesson, right? You. You start off and you and you see what's effective and what works and what people like, and then you, you know, the kind of the second time around, you get to pick and choose the things that work, uh, the things that, of course, are good for the brewery, good good for customers, and and are fun. And then um, you know, being in an area up in Roselle that is kind of the same size town as as Lamont, kind of about sixteen thousand people, seventeen thousand, and. Um, Really, in an area starved for craft beer, there's really not a lot in that in those in those burbs. Um, you know, a lot of big, a lot of big area up in Schaumburg. A lot of folks want to go out and check things out and go out to craft craft breweries. Um, it was ideal for us, and it was a spot that uh, became available that uh, we weren't looking to move into. But when the opportunity came across, we we pretty much did our uh, you know our good old SWOT analysis and uh, made sure that we were. Uh, it was right for us, and it, and it seems to be going really well. We opened in November last year, and it's been, uh, it's really been every month. The uh, business keeps on increasing, and um, Brian keeps making great beers to go up there. Yeah. So, so when you're you're talking about that, you said you said just in November. Is that what you said? Correct. We opened okay. on what was it, Friday, tenth, somewhere? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So that that opened that late in 2017. How when did this place open? September of 2014. God, you guys, you guys are like old in beer, <laughs> beer world. That's 2014. So you just 
nailing it out here? Like, why, why Itasca? Or uh, Roselle. Why, why Roselle? Sorry, I know they're all out in that area, aren't they? Well, people ask me that a lot, so it's a very common question. And one of the reasons, well, actually, the main reason Roselle was a spot we looked at or enjoyed was that it was far enough away to not steal our current customers, but close enough so that people still knew who we were. So we did a lot of, uh, we actually did a lot of market research on our customers and who is coming to Lamont and the vast majority of the people that come to this tap room are within 10 miles of here. Okay. So you're stealing our secrets and identities like the government's, uh, explain to me what does market research look like on, on your customers? Uh, there's a few ways we do it. Um, I'm not going to really get into that. Some of it's proprietary. Now now I'm upset. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but we, I mean, we basically just, we pulled people that were coming in. Oh, it's, it's not a bad idea. Yeah. I like that people like to pretend that this is not a business because it's so cool. You know, craft beer is awesome. Don't get me wrong. It's so cool. People try to ignore the fact that it's also a business and you have to like do things like that to kind of, you know, sustain and keep going and be better. Like you're trying to improve. We're not doing this stuff to make, to make you worse. Right. And so when you're, when you're talking about two separate spots now, currently that you're been, you know, what, 10 months, whatever it is that you've been open over there. Are you seeing comparisons where you're kind of like a lot of the same beers are moving or is it all over the map where you're like, Jesus, the people up North are like this way more than the people down here. I mean, well, I've noticed that, Roselle is still kind of getting into the whole trying new beers thing. Lamont, we've established ourselves here, so people are, the regulars stick with what they like a lot. So I think in Lamont, we're moving more of like particular brands, whereas in Roselle, we're moving pretty much everything. Everything, okay. Because everyone's of, interesting. A lot interesting. of flights go up out there. In Roselle? Yeah, okay. Roselle. That's the, just, that's the place where everybody wants to give everything a try, right? And then when you see that, Typically, that's people who haven't been into the brewery before. So if yep. you look at the numbers, the, the, the flights are flying off the shelf and then down in Lamont a little bit less because then people kind of get stuck with something and they come in and, and they really enjoy a particular style or and that's what they go with. Now, I'm, I'm catching some interest in your, I believe what I'm drinking right now is your double dry hopped offering. Uh, emblems? Emblems, yes. emblems, correct? Okay, I noticed... The absence of thick haze, but all the flavor in the mouth is there. Yeah. So how do you do that? Like, why why can I see through it? Well, but also feels like I shouldn't be able to see through it when I drink it. Is that yeah. weird? <laughs> is that my wrong about I think that? Vince Vince and I can. <laughs> we uh, we both kind of had the and our other brewer Brian that's uh, not here right now. We when these whole New England IPAs came out, we kind of had this whole. Like, get off my lawn attitude. Right, like, yeah. you young kids. <laughs> we don't, okay. yeah, get out of here. <laughs> but we, we kind of got on board with it and we tried it. And we had, it's yes. certainly not our favorite style, but we do appreciate it and we enjoy it. Yeah. And it sells, which is great. Right. That's <laughs> really good yeah. point. So we've, we've had a few hazy ones. I mean, they don't look like sewage water, but uh, we're trained brewers that were trained to <laughs> make clear beer so Living that we wanted life. To, yeah okay. so we wanted to try another one that had the same flavors but was clear which i think it worked out really well honestly yeah yeah tastes wonderful midwest style mm-hmm. yeah we'll, right. we'll call it midwest style 
can't do that. I think Penrose does that already. <laughs> See, you guys are you guys are fucking up. No, no, it's it's really good though. It's it's just it doesn't fit the visual because you've been we've been so programmed as beer lovers, you know, that it's supposed to look a certain way, to taste a certain way, to yeah. feel a certain way when you take a drink. So it's it's kind of a credit to you guys if you, if you meant to make it that clear and yeah, you still get all that hot flavor and you get that feel like there's you know a little body to it you know mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's, it's fun to mess around trying to take something so yeah why the hell not what hops did you throw at that one I that mean, is all sexy citra. question Here, oh. yep. no wonder it's so good <laughs> yeah citra. it seems to be a theme everybody loves citra right <laughs> if you don't like citra get the hell out you know get off my lawn is what yeah. I'll say uh, yeah no it's it's a it's a weird thing with the way trends are going. They're starting to be like those tipping points and you see it in social media and that, or, you know, most people love it, you know, and, and some people that might post and say things that they hate it. They probably have a fridge full of like tree house that they traded for. Or for sure. You know, you know, that's, that's kind of a thing right now. But, uh, so Pollyanna, where did Pollyanna come from? I mean, the name Pollyanna means irrepressible optimism. <coughs> yeah. So it's, really it's the whole glass half full concept the the idea that optimism does not need to be naive it can be a good thing um so we it, it took a whole lot of optimism to open this business so we we try our best to remain optimistic as we continue this business it's so it, it's five partners who never own a brewery let alone a business that are uh, involved so it does take some optimism when we work together <laughs> all right paul you just opened up a whole another batch of questions of course so why the hell the five guys that have never owned a business or a brewery decide that they should own a business that is a brewery the love of craft beer so at this point this is what, uh, what when are these talks starting what you said this place opened in september 2014 we all met in 2013 probably was in 13 right yeah. we, we became incorporated 11 12 13 so that's kind of a number for us to, to think about. But um, we started talking ahead of that. Brian, you came back from Siebel in 13, right? Yeah. So a couple folks within the five partners are uh, myself and my brother. They have known each other for quite some time. Oh, you knew your brother for a while? Yep. And another right. gentleman who's our accounting and finance guy. I worked with at a former company. And really, Brian and Ed were the, uh, the other two that uh, were kind of the unknowns. Um, but... I mean, we've gelled. We've got uh, we've had good days and bad days, but for the most part, I think everybody's on the the same page all the time, which is fantastic because we we like to bring five different, really five different uh, attributes to the business, and from accounting and finance to sales and marketing to operations to brewing, um, you know, throughout the entire uh, you know the the entire gamut of of, of fields. Um, you know, one of our partners, Ed, was an architect. Uh, in his former life, and as you can see here, uh, we've made everything fit and work in this building. Ed was also a, uh, a beer judge, uh, BJCP judge, and, and also as a home brewer. So a lot of things to bounce off of each other. We do respect each other's, um, you know, we've come to learn to respect each other's um, uh, core competencies. And, uh, you know, we try to stay out of each other's way and let the person who's the expert work on things that they need to to help us all be successful. So when you guys formed the Avengers, um, did you? What was your role coming in then, Paul? Like, what? What's your character? Are you the like, Hulk? You're the Nick Fury He's slash Hulk, everyone. or like? <laughs> I'm a bull in a china shop. Beat them so. into submission. 
No, uh, you know, everything is, is compromise. It's a marriage. It really is. And you have to you have to respect each other and understand there's different points of view. And uh, um, I think those are all cliches, but uh, they kind of do. That's fine. That's why it's a podcast. It's fine. They it do sound cliche. that way. But uh, it's, it, it's, it's things we had to learn to work together um, to be able to pull this off. And, again, I think the overall, I think, Brian, when uh, we met, was uh, this is ours to fuck up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we... So this is, was, uh, is there a story? Is there a story as to how you met? Like, is this just like mutual friends? Like, you just, you're. Did you call the Siebel Institute? Like, you got anybody good over there coming out? Like, what, how, how did? Yeah, that, actually, yeah, that's yeah, what, that yeah. is how that one <laughs> how worked. Did the marriage start here. We were looking for another Brian, and uh, we yeah, ended like up with this. One Brian. Brian is never enough. Right, we gotta have two. Right, and uh, he was taken, and he said, "I got another. I got a buddy that uh, is in my class. You might want to talk to him." So, hence, we met Brian Pavola. Uh, the nice part was that everybody was a partner here that had a pot to piss in to be able to throw in some money for this. So, you know, there's there's part of it that always says, you know, I've talked to a lot of other breweries and they say, how do you how do you incent your brewer? And I said, make him a partner. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> that's a good way. To we didn't have to it, necessarily, yeah. you know, make him a partner. He is a partner. He, he, he's been in from the very beginning. So that helps. Yeah. When you're ponying up and you get you get some skin in the game. Not that if you didn't, you I, I take right. right. I t- I'm sure you take a lot of pride in your work. And I'm, like, I'm just putting shitty beer out. Whatever <laughs> they're paying <laughs> sure. me, it's fine. No motivation. So did you did you see it the same way? Were you like, I got this call from some guy. Like, uh, how well, old are you at this point? Like, you, you know, oh, you're geez, coming out of Siebel. Like, I was uh, 27 at that point. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I had another life before that. I was I worked in healthcare IT and I implemented software into hospitals. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. So I, I got work in a hospital. Yeah. Uh, that's my actual job and I deal with <laughs> a lot of those implementations. Sure. And they're fun. No. No, they're not that's that a, fun. That's a thankless job which you guys, <laughs> yeah. you guys do. Doctors and nurses are some of the best people in the world but uh, they he just made my like life a living times. hell. <laughs> so I'm on the non-clinical side so okay. <laughs> I won't say anything <laughs> else. Anyway, mutual go respect. Ahead. Go ahead, son. Uh, so that I didn't want to do that anymore. So I I got out of that uh, when I committed to the Siebel Institute and the Domens Academy in Munich. So I did their master brewer program. Uh, at the time, I was mid to late twenties. I was single, so I was you know not enjoying my job, and it was just kind of the time to do it. I figured if I'm going to ever do this, why not do it now? So, so the phone call that you received from, you know, whoever through Paul was the one that kind of was like, maybe it's time to make a jump here. And no, actually, this was after was Siebel. So I went through Siebel and I was helping out at another brewery. Um, actually, the guy I was helping was the one that they were trying to hire. And he passed. Uh, what, it was actually Ed. So Ed's information, he passed. It was uh, at the time. It was Big Chicago Brewing up in Zion, who then moved to 1090. Oh, okay. Um, so Ed reached out, and we went from there. Wow, yeah, that's that's good. So I feel like I could do a whole origin story with you right now. I feel yeah. like you glossed over a whole bunch of things leading up to. I, I heard words like Munich and yeah. programs. So, so where did you where did you come from? What, what were the humble beginnings of Brian? Uh, I brewed my first batch of beer in college before I was twenty one, because we wanted why not to to drink something and not get in trouble for it. Uh, and ever since then, I I home brewed throughout my more corporate career. 
And honestly, I wasn't the best at it. I had good beers, but I, had, I also had bad beers. So the idea of schooling and education was always something that intrigued me. Um, so I researched the Siebel Institute. I researched UC Davis, a couple other programs uh, over in Europe. And I ended up choosing Siebel because it was based out of Chicago. And they went over to Munich, which was awesome. Yeah, why not, right? Yeah. There's uh, not a lot of great brewers that that are missing the story from overseas. You know, it, it's, it, it seems, seems par for the course. A lot, yeah. of, a lot of brewers that are making really good beer, they all have some version of Brussels or Germany or for some, sure. you know, some that inspired the shit out of them. I mean, if you're, if you're going to go to a brewing school, why not go to the one that's taught by the oldest brewery in the world, Von Stefan? So those professors were pretty intelligent. Uh, and they like the cool thing about that was that they really kind of drilled into your brain consistency because in Germany craft beer is not really a thing there. I mean, it's, it's just kind of <laughs> building that. It's just beer. Yeah, they they drink Weiss beer and Helles and Pils like and sometimes Dunkel when they're they're feeling frisky. Uh, so Dunkels get a little. They do get yeah. crazy. You're right. <laughs> So the Germans drink one brand basically their entire lives. So they're super trained on consistency. And if you don't make the same beer twice, you're going to lose customers. That's crazy. So That's crazy. I mean, I get it. Oh, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So that was how we uh, as students were trained is if you're not making the same beer taste the same from batch to batch, you're doing it wrong. Oh yeah, that, I I wonder does that play in like? Could you imagine sending like one of your professors like, "Hey, check out this Trillium beer," like <laughs> you know? Here's, I, and he'd be like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, I haven't uh, seen them in a while. I know they 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 super appreciate Dovetail, so um, like I don't blame them for that. Who doesn't? I no, mean, right. No. <laughs> um, I saw that cool ship. It looks pretty awesome. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. They're doing. Great beer We're just going to open this window by the L and let some shit float <laughs> in. See what Brian, weren't you in the same class as Hagen? Hagen and I were in the same class. Who the hell's Hagen? Would I not know? Is that easy dovetail? Is that yeah. Okay. See, I don't know. I've not, I've not been to dovetail yet. Paul likes to make jokes about that because he was the valedictorian to my salutatorian. <laughs> <laughs> That's phenomenal. So, But we opened first. Somebody's closer. <laughs> yeah, Somebody makes more beer still. <laughs> <laughs> now, is this a friendly competition? Like, do you guys do you still hang out? You talk to them a lot still? I mean, that's oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. You're in class, and yeah, you're both doing something. Sure. Yeah, that's, that's got to be nice. Yeah. Well, this is this industry. I find that. I mean, I don't know. Pollyanna is a, a quite a name. I, I was at a, I was at like a small. It wasn't a tasting. They called it a beer expo at a a, a, a little beer shop close to me. It uh, used to be Cardinal Liquor. Now it's called Joe's Beverage. Okay warehouse and i saw a couple reps from you guys's uh, spot over there pouring Is that down beers. in juliet yep great yep. dudes had their uh you know the workman button-up t-shirt on you know with the Pollyanna logo i mean you guys are not fucking around it's not you guys aren't like you know it's not the uh grassroots movement that it probably once was like how do, how do you feel when you look at that transition from like day one 2014 to now it's like you have employees and you have you know 
assistant brewers and you got beautiful men like Vince just running around <laughs> just you know wearing it's pretty beautiful Star Wars shirt <laughs> <laughs> he's so good to me he, you know he kept kept up with me he's like I'm gonna, I'm gonna email him some dates we're gonna get this podcast thing done <laughs> well I I think I mean there's a lot of like cool stories about what we've done with our employees and growth but Vince is a perfect example of uh, one of the best parts of being in this industry so Vince came to us like, it's a great it? time to join the party, Vince. Yeah, Vince right. We're about to talk about how great you are. Oh, no. <laughs> it's coming. So, Vince, when did you start bartending first, 2015? Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I think it was around there. Yeah, so like Vince, Vince came to Pollyanna. He, we met him through a friend, and he wanted an extra gig a couple nights a week just to make a little extra money. So he was super into home brewing and he actually brought in some of his beers over the past few years and they've yep. all been awesome dumped them out uh, <laughs> <laughs> drain, only a couple drain only pours couple. straight drain I, pours. I swear his ESB so we which hired him. is a, a style that <laughs> extra special bitters doesn't sell well but his ESB is great people need to try <laughs> yeah. more though like, don't they it's like, true. Don't, I agree is that an education good, thing is so that what, what is that why, yeah. why don't why aren't people like draw, I mean, they're good beers. I think the bitter might, might like the bitter in the word might scare people off but I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, you have to hit like that certain transition point where you're like embracing like, oh, I love the bitterness on this one. Then, then right. you can be like, oh, extra special bitters. Maybe I right. like that. Yeah. Right. Even though it's not super bitter. It's not a super bitter no, style. It's, it's just. No, it's a, anyway, back good. back to Vince <laughs> and how great yeah, he is. Seriously, oh. let's talk about it. <laughs> Vince, are you single? We'll get you a wife right now. Uh, I'm it. engaged. <laughs> I'm engaged. Four months, man. Cheers to you, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so Vince... Uh, he bartended for us for a couple of years, and over those years, we got to know him pretty good, and we realized that he's a loyal, smart dude that knows a lot about beer and brewing, and uh, we I knew, we all knew that eventually he wanted to kind of get into this industry more than just being a bartender, Yeah. and he put in his time. He was an awesome server and bartender, but like the best part about him was that he just showed up on time all the time. And <laughs> And was so reliable. Key. So key. That's uh, half the battle. It is half the <laughs> battle sometimes. But uh, so last summer, we finally had uh, the ability to be able to hire another brewer. And the first person that came to my mind was Vince. So we went to Vince and right away he said, hell yeah, I want to do that. <laughs> and, uh, first so guy was Vin Diesel, but he passed. So they went to yeah, the Vin other, Diesel would have been the pretty other good. Vince. They I think, I, think I, I don't know at this he point. He could probably lift more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So uh, he, 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 you were like, bam, that's the guy. That's so the guy. That's my we guy knew, right there. Oh, yeah, we knew right away. Um, and it wasn't, it was something that we'd all thought of over, like, the past couple of years, too. But, you know, just as you're growing as a business, you're spend, spending money elsewhere, and you don't ha- necessarily have money to continue to hire people. But as soon as we had it, we knew that Vince was the guy. So, so how long have you been paying him in chili meat sticks and cheese? <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm wondering. <laughs> So when did you start? When did you start, Vince? Uh, start brewing or start here? No, start here. Start, start here. Uh, it was like February of 2015, so it's been almost February 2015. Okay, years, yeah. Man. So Damn. yeah. So is it? Uh, you said there's another brewery as well. Yeah, his name's two Brian's and a Vince, and that's correct. It? Yep, that's it. That's the only people touching all this. Well, I mean, obviously Vince is the only one that does any work around here because that's <laughs> no, all no. I've seen that's since true. I walked in. He's the only <laughs> one. 
Uh, I'm the third shift guy, okay. so that's that's my job. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be bizarre though, from 2014 opening this place to now thinking that you have shifts. Like, yeah, because <laughs> I'm guessing there weren't shifts initially. There it no, was like just stay until shift, it's done, and then the shift go was me just <laughs> working. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I still don't know how you did all that by yourself, man. Seriously. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's not that impressive. <laughs> Paul, Paul was probably on a yacht somewhere doing nothing, right? Yeah. No, there was a lot of work that had to be done say, every day. There's got to be something yeah. else going on there. There right? was the uh, days when 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 Brian looked okay, and then there's days when <laughs> Brian looked like he was rabid, <laughs> and then he squeaked up enough to uh, be able to say what needed to happen in order for us to grow. And of course, that's that's really all you need to hear, right? We can push it to a certain extent, but then at some point. You have to bite the bullet, and you have to um, you have to expand, and you have to say, "Is this where the business is going to go, or or do we need to in, you know do we need to increase our production, and, and what's it going to take to do that?" So you know, we the partners get together at least quarterly, um, sometimes informally more than that, but you know, you start to talk about those things, and you realize when can you afford it, and when you can, you bite the bullet, and that's when you come up with a, a plan um, to you know to expand. So when you talk about the, you said, quote, the, the partners. So I got two at the table with me right now. Correct. And then what are, what are the other three's roles? Let's play like the Bobs in Office Space. Like, what, what is it you say you do here? I'm getting a feeling of what you do here, Paul. Like, oh. I feel like there's a lot of emailing and a lot of Paul's a pavement money pounder and a lot a, of, a yeah, big a talker. lot of calls and a lot of. <laughs> I like to talk big for sure. You're right, Brian. But I do like to get out and see customers. I do like to get out with our distributors. Um, sales marketing, but you know, having you know the uh, the uh, the other partners. Ed is does um, um, operations. Uh, Don um, does operations as well because we needed somebody else to help. A lot of operating. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's just a lot of things that are going on between receiving and and shipping and making sure that we get things done right for our distributors so they're not waiting here for for shipments and uh, uh, we're getting every all the raw materials in um, and then. Our uh, our fifth partner Ryan is um, he keeps his day job still, so we don't quite need a full time accounting oh, and finance lazy. guy. Okay. So. okay, Ryan, you're lazy. <laughs> so besides that. that, yeah, he keeps his day job and uh, and you know part time does some book work for us. Nice part time. <laughs> I don't know. He probably works the most out of any of us. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he does. Making sure we're compliant at all times, which is important. Like nope, guys, when you're dealing nope, with can't do uh, that. Can't alcohol. do that, guys. Can't do that, guys. <laughs> So you talked about you, you touched on distro. I mean, how, how has that changed for you guys over the last four years? We actually, I, we, when we were opening, um, distro wasn't super easy to come by. It's a lot harder now than it was in twenty thirteen and fourteen when we were talking to people. Um, the whole self distribution thing was intriguing, but we knew we we knew we wanted to grow bigger than that. Um, so distribution was kind of our, the, that was the goal for sure. Um, so we talked to a couple guys and we ended up going with Heartland Beverage and Brian Kirby was the guy that we put our trust in and he actually put our, his trust in us too. We were, he was a new company. Uh, we were a new company. He had a couple smaller breweries at the time and he was looking to grow, uh, and like even before he tried any of our commercial batches, he knew that we were going to be a good fit, and we knew that he was going to be a great partner. So over the past four years, I mean, we owe a lot to Brian Kirby, Jeff Marshall, and the whole team there at Heartland Beverage. 
a lot of people didn't know who Heartland Beverage or Pollyanna was a couple of years ago, but uh, I think that's, both of us that's have changed, changed that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a ch- that's changed quite a bit. I think people think of Heartland and Pollyanna in, in the same sentence as kind of being the same, the same company almost, right? So we've had... We've had great success with them, and um, you know we continue to continue to, to push each other to grow. I think everybody has has aspirations to be successful, and uh, going with Heartland and and kind of being the larger of the breweries in their portfolio was what we really wanted to be. Um, we didn't want to be a footnote on the back of somebody's card. Um, some of the big guys that were out there, and we interviewed. We interviewed with the big guys. We interviewed with the Glunzes. We interviewed with the um, uh, the folks over at Breakthrough at the time and um you know brian didn't have a didn't come from really a pedigree of um of other breweries so people were very skeptical of of signing us and wanting to know what the liquid was going to be like and uh you know in the beginning you're you're only brewing on homebrew systems so there's flaws there has to be um and then you know a lot of them were saying well we want you know after you get the the large system and really there was them asking us are you really going to start are you really going to be able to open the doors um, come see us then. And we really wanted to hit the ground running. So when we started talking to Brian and uh, with Brian Kirby from Heartland, we, um, we immediately got his buy-in on working with us. And he understood that uh, the homebrew was what it was, but he also thought that our aspirations of where we were going to go from um, the, you know, how much barrelage we were going to provide, plus the styles, plus the quality, all of that stuff was going to mature and, and be great once we started, once we opened. And, uh, you know, when we both uh, committed to each other and that marriage that we like to call a distributor and um, brewery partnership, it all, uh, it all kind of started from there. Okay, so what, what were the early days of distribution looking like when Heartland finally took that jump on you? Is it the first stuff you sent out the door from Pollyanna with the Pollyanna name on it? Was that through this system that I'm looking at right now? Was that... Yep. Through the homebrew system. Okay, so this is all happening right off of these tanks. I'm yeah, looking at. I. This is uh, this is some stuff that I don't know if a lot of people or brewers, breweries go through because a lot of them don't open with distribution nowadays. Uh, a lot of them have to prove themselves first. But when when we signed with Heartland, we both took a chance on each other, and like we were both kind of proving to each other that this was going to work. Uh, so. Heartland's plan up front was basically just give me everything you make and we will sell it. And we had to put faith in him to sell it. Uh, and obviously, we, you know, at the time we couldn't make 120 barrels a week. We made maybe two or three batches tops. Uh, basically made enough to supply the tap room and then uh, put a little bit out in the market. So... It was a lot of uh, just kind of just give it to me and I'll put it somewhere. And we put our faith Ew. in him. And <laughs> You're a married man, aren't you? I see yeah. that ring on your finger. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. I'll, go, I'll go with walk before you run versus that last one. Right. <laughs> just uh, find a hole and shove her in there. I oh. mean, whatever it takes. Yeah. But the, the first couple, like the first year or two was basically we were trying to find who we were and Heartland was trying to find who they were. And it was just kind of like, all right, make whatever beers you want. Let's see what happens and we'll sell it. And over the first couple of years, we realized there were certain beers that sold better than others. And over the past 
like two years since then, we've kind of refined what we put into the market and developed a portfolio that we can trust and we know that sells well and intrigues people. Speaking of things that could possibly sell well, what is this beautiful (laughs) pink thing I'm holding right now? Is that Summerlee? Is that what this is? That is our raspberry wheat. It's yeah. What did I just have before that? It had like a very Belgian-y, it had like an, I don't know, it had like a, an ester type flavor to it. I don't know what I, I was. Was it Hump and Scrum? It, yeah, it's uh, got to yeah. be because it was, it was below the new release section uh, <laughs> on the menu, I believe. Yeah, that was probably right. Hump and Scrum. Yeah, that is also very good. Mm. So this is my first shot at Summerlee here. So I'm Summerlee oh yeah. is uh, oh yeah. a beer that never should have existed. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Ex- <laughs> extrapolate. So make my job easy as an introvert. So as a, as a brewer, you know, I go to Germany to learn all these cool German styles and wheat beers and lagers and American craft beers at the time, brash hops and imperial stouts. And, like, that's what I thought we were going to make. We were going to make a little bit of all of that. Fruit beer at the time wasn't, like, cool. Uh, <laughs> sexy. Right. It wasn't sexy. So... Paul, being the guy that he is, you know, he's very thoughtful. <laughs> he's a he's a forward-looking <laughs> thinker. That's what I'm seeing. He, <laughs> he he saw an opportunity to introduce fruit beer into the market. Uh, so we we have a fest here that we throw every summer. That's just a big beer fest in our parking lot. Um, and this year we're moving it to Roselle, but that's a different story. Uh, so for the fest, part of the goal was to get people to drink a lot of beer without getting dangerously drunk and it was our first summer in lamont so we wanted to prove to the town that we couldn't or like we could throw a fest we're and responsible not have, we like, promise right yeah <laughs> very good nobody's black we're gonna be good there's yep. no fights yep. no DUIs. so there's no 14 percent barrel aged uh, right. uh fun sizes oh, man. Uh, okay so paul tasked me with making a raspberry beer he just kind of came up to me he's like hey can you make a raspberry beer for the fest like something light that people can drink and not get too hammered on so i told him i would only do it reluctantly if it was something that i enjoyed so i and paul was like (laughs) okay yeah (laughs) okay he was starting to build trust in me i love your independence (laughs) so did we just spot a like a girl or a dog? I feel like everybody just got the attentions were like, Whoa, that's it's a, a dog <laughs> and a girl. <laughs> so the dog's gotta be dying. Awesome dog. <laughs> yeah. Somebody get that dog a summerly. Awesome dog. <laughs> we would never do that, by the way. <laughs> uh so summerly kind of so came about at, because uh, so in Germany they brew a lot of wheat beers. It was an assignment. It was It was an assignment for sure. Make this work for everyone. Yeah. Now. Um so I studied a lot of wheat yes, Paul. in Germany. I agree. <laughs> so wheat beers were kind of my thing, and I wanted to make a beer that was very fruit-forward but dry and wheat-forward as well, not something sweet and shandy-ish, which <laughs> shandy-ish. I'm sure Paul was not thinking sweet and shandy-ish. they teach you that at the Siebel Institute? Sweet and shand- shandy-ish. Yeah. <laughs> so I came up with a Summerlee, which is a very wheat-heavy Wheat beer, obviously. Very and heavy wheat beer. Yeah. Wheat heavy wheat beer. And it's more dry than sweet, but it still has enough sweetness to make it approachable. And ever since then, it's kind of taken off. We made 
one 15-barrel batch for the fest that summer. And then people were like, where is it? Why can't we have more? <laughs> so the next summer we made maybe like 60-ish barrels. And then last summer we made about 300 barrels of it. And that was last summer was the first time we put it in bottles. And then this summer we started canning it. And we made 300 barrels of it before it was even released to the public. God dang. So we're... We're probably at That's a lot of barrels. Yeah. Yep. I've, seen, I've seen it all over, too. I mean, it's a lot of raspberries. Believe me. A lot me. of raspberries. 55-gallon <laughs> drums of raspberry Produce puree. guy loves you guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, the, the puree people are screaming for Pollyanna. Yeah. <laughs> I think this year, and the summer has barely even started, we've made more summerly than we made in our entire first year. Now, is summerly summerly, or does summerly have variants and different fruits or anything is it just it's always Summerly's raspberry. always just been summerly just summerly yeah okay. although when you go firkin wise you have yeah, made oh, firkins are some fantastic yeah. uh summerly with cinnamon yep Fir- cinnamon Fir- lemon yeah. zest vanilla orange mm-hmm. orange yeah there's been quite a few yeah vince is nodding his head but the lemon zest man <laughs> it smelled so good Oh my God. He's nodding, but like he's not. I zested all those lemons right? by hand. Yeah, so. Vince zested those lemons. <laughs> all right, so what are we, Vince, you and I are drinking the Summerlee. What do you two guys have? Do you have the same? I have an Emblems. emblems. I'm one behind you. I'm going Emblems as well. Oh, mm-hmm. look at that. See, we're, d- we're two, two and two. See? Very nice. I like it. I like it. Uh, yeah, it's, no, it's, a cool, it's a cool beer. I mean, it's, you know, what the trend would say is crushable you yeah know, it's a summer it is. crushable beer and when i say it's a it's a beer that never should have existed i mean maybe eventually it would have happened but if you would have asked me in 2013 if our best-selling summer <laughs> oh, beer okay. is going to be a pink wheat <laughs> beer i would have been like <laughs> okay fucking well, crazy hey paul we'll throw some glitter in it next time too how about that <laughs> oh <laughs> that piece? when's the glitter <laughs> happening <laughs> it would look awesome though give me it would probably look pretty don't cool don't get me wrong don't get me wrong it would yeah. taste better too. No, that's not true. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I've caught your sarcasm. I just figure I'd extrapolate on it. So, I mean, what else? What else is what else is Pollyanna doing right now? That's like, uh, is it? Is this kind of summerly thing? Is that like a? Jesus, that sounds really stupid. Now that I I didn't think it through, but I was gonna say is it a, a seasonal thing? But yeah, summerly would be kind of a seasonal <laughs> thing. But I, no, I I was kind of actually trying to touch more on the dryness. You know, you were talking yeah. about the dryness of this. We talked about the uh, the extra brute, you know, champagne IPA that you have on. I mean, is that a seasonal thing? Uh, yeah. I mean, dry, crisp is kind of a summer thing. So summerly is obviously our summer killer. Um, then Vince could probably talk about our fun size series that has kind of taken off for the fall and winter. I've never heard of Ooh. it. Never heard of fun size. <laughs> I mean, before he gets into that, What's we kind of... fun kinda, size? Yeah. Fun, si- I, uh, fun yeah. size is our milk stout. Dude, yeah, shut <laughs> up. Dude, that, that's the best beer. I, I love that beer. So all variants of it. I mean, we're not really pastry boys, but... No. Well, you better I get mean, used to it. We <laughs> I think we put out a pastry stout before pastry boys was really like a term yeah i think so i think a couple homebrew nights um that i had um i was talking about that i brought that term up and they had the a couple beer nerds who were like what a pastry stout what is that is that a thing now and i'm like yeah I you think actually it's a thing. <laughs> you actually sound like the guy that i'm picturing him yeah, right now. <laughs> yeah right. what <laughs> the pillsbury like, doughboy <laughs> right like yeah, no, that's that's a real it's a real thing and and people go nuts for it, man. I and 
at first, you know, the whole sweet and crazy adjunct thing, like, I don't know. It was a lot, but a lot of the ones that have been coming out now are, they're, they're good. They're really good. I, I have to say, I enjoy them. I think it was one of those, like, New England kind of things for me, where at first I was like, ah, oh, man, I don't know, this is really sweet, yeah. and blah, 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 but it grew on me, and they're, they're really, they're, they're good. They're so, good. So what was the thought processes, uh, thought process you were going through during the first batch of, of fun size? I mean, what, what, what did, what did, what did you, ex- like, uh, set out to do when <laughs> you made fun size? So fun size came about, I don't remember the exact time I thought about it, but I had a Snickers bar and I think I was drinking a stout. And I was like, I can make this shit. Because why not? <laughs> yeah. Because why not? <laughs> <laughs> like, this, this would be great There's the bravado I was looking for. Yeah. You were way too hum- humble at the beginning. <laughs> now, that's what I'm talking about. I can make this shit. I can make this. This is no Fuck big deal. Snickers. They've been doing that shit with <laughs> yeah. dude. I make so, a liquid form of it and get drunk. Yeah. See? So, I remember telling my business partners, it's like, I want to try this. It's a little more expensive to produce. Let's, t- let's do it. I think it's going to be big. Um, and they were like, all right, sure. So I made it. And I remember as we were fermenting it, telling all our bartenders, there's going to be life before fun size and life after fun size. <laughs> Correct. You said that? You said I that said that. that. <laughs> During the they first like, batch. This, this douchebag. What is he yeah. talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and they were all just like, all right, like, that'll be cool. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah super cool. Pollyanna supportive. Uh, and then people started trying it and it was just kind of like this thing that took off and the first year people couldn't get enough of the regular version and then last year was the first time we started putting it in four packs so thank uh, you yeah no (laughs) problem by the way so it was the first time like binny's had access to it and all the other local small uh independent retailers as well so they were super excited about it um but we also threw in the whole variant program because kids love flavors kids (laughs) (laughs) yes Uh, my my five-year-old loves fun yeah (laughs) (laughs) so we just kind of thought of a bunch of flavors that would meld with a snickers bar and we did yeah uh, just kind of let it rip so batch one of fun size is batch one of fun size straight up what like peanut peanut vanilla cocoa nibs and sea salt yep okay because I think the first one I had was a m- marshmallow or <laughs> coconut ver- marshmallow. Yeah. I think was like a the marshmallow first variant. was the first variant. That we first did. variant. So that yeah. was the crown jewel. Yeah, and that that knocked my socks off the first time I had it, and I was like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> yeah, that was kind of s- the one where people were like, "Wait, fun size could be different and better <laughs> and more exciting. It's more better." Wait, how do you put marshmallows in beer? Yeah, oh, God. and then it was gone within like a few days and then people were kind of talking about it so we came out with uh toasted coconut yeah that was had that one too that was one where we had a little bit more publicity around it so people were kind of taking notice and then maple and coffee came out and those killed it yeah maple and coffee was not have you done multiple runs of maple and coffee or just just one okay yeah yeah. so that that was pretty recent then yeah the coffee was definitely my favorite i think out of all of them i it just, I don't know. I beg to differ. Me. I like the maple one. I don't know the what it is The maple one was good, too. It was good. My buddy Mike just came over the other night, and he left us a bottle of it. We were going to crack it, and we ended up cracking a bunch of other stuff. So now my wife's like, yes. 
<laughs> he left the maple. Slap you in the face, yeah. maple. She can't yeah. wait. She can't wait to crack that last because we haven't had it in months. You know, because we we bought a couple and we hadn't gotten any more because it was gone. You know, sure. it, it disappeared. <laughs> yeah, and then well, that was the same time you guys did the barrel age one too, right? Yeah. So our first barrel age one was the imperial version. Yep. Which was what February, January, February. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was so cold out. So we didn't really know how to prepare for that because we're not we kind of pride ourselves as being the brewery that can be um relied upon for consistent quality beer not necessarily something that's hyped and you line up around the block for or that needs helicopter footage um i was there (laughs) friday morning i was there that's yeah more and there's a different tangent but we'd rather make beer that we enjoy and we can drink that everyone else enjoys versus something that sells well on a saturday at noon um it's hard to to be consistent too right i mean you you're you know what you're putting out but you don't totally know if you can make it again type of thing is that play yeah, into it's it not or that hard no okay so yeah. the barrels you can do it like you oh with barrels that's uh, what i mean well, barrels I, I was trying to refer to the fun size imperial like Sure. I thought it gave you a trip and see, like, just be like, oh, can I do this again, though, if it comes out? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, with with barrels, you always learn as you go. I mean, I'll admit our first barrel-aged beer wasn't the best because I let it sit too long. But What's you know, too long? Like, for specifically for that beer, what was too long? It really just depends. That one was about a year. It probably should have been more like nine, nine months. Nine months, okay. But... Which I know that you can't just dial that in and say, yes, this nine months is the, the limit for any yeah. barrel-aged out, you know. Yeah, and I mean, I with it. barrel-aging, you start to learn, like, how to kind of accentuate things in the recipe that go with the barrel and how to change the bitterness a little bit and how to just adjust the recipe. So with Imperial Fun Size, it was just a monster beer in the first place. So I figured, why not throw that in bourbon and... It's like after a few years of barrel aging, you kind of learn that, or I, I learned how to design that recipe for those barrels, and it turned out pretty killer. So that was kind of our first, like, whoa, there's like about 200 people in line yeah. moment, <laughs> which, like, it's cool. I and mean, you put a gold tooth on the bottle. Yeah. So. <laughs> All three of us had to jump in and help out that was yeah. crazy it was yeah, cool we, we were like wrapping up a brew day and we were trying to pos yeah. system uh, yeah <laughs> we're gonna figure out how to work the side pad new right. pos system too on top of it <laughs> oh really? yeah. yeah yeah it's like the first weekend we had <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> seriously was, all right paul fun. is that you like why, why would you do that <laughs> no. why would you do that you just want to fuck with them <laughs> You're like, let's see let's see how they handle this one <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's good so like that was uh i mean it was it's cool to have like a hyped beer and everything like to have just the, embrace the beer it. Nerds I know. I know. Excited. I feel like I'm looking at your face, and I'm like, it's hard for him right now like, <laughs> to say the word hyped and beer and it be his or their beer. Yeah. Just embrace yeah. it. Let it's the nerds shower over you. <laughs> it's <laughs> fine. It's fine. You, you can. They can drink as much fun size as so they good. want. I'll fun drink the pilsner. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. That's one of my favorite things about talking to brewers now with the the podcast is Drew Fox was the first one to put me onto it. He was, Drew's like. Uh, dude, I'm at a fest looking for the Pilsner. You know? For sure. <laughs> I'm yeah. the, he's like, I ain't trying to, I'm not trying to drink 12% stouts all day. Like, I just, right. I just, give, me, give me that nice, crisp Pilsner or whatever. Have, whatever's on, you know? Yeah. Find the light beer. It's like a game. And I don't think people realize that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, wait. You're not drinking the double dry hopped IPA or the giant pastry stout? No. <laughs> 
Oh, because then you'll die. Man. Right. <laughs> For me, if you can make a good Pilsner, I think you could pretty much do anything else. I mean, it's as light of a beer as it is, it's a tough beer to make good, you know? Um, it's hard to hide off flavors in it and stuff like that, so it's... If you have a if you have a place that has a good Pilsner, everything else is probably going to be good, too. That's kind of how I do it, personally. Yeah. Trained so. him well. <laughs> he has no original thoughts. I trained, <laughs> I trained him well. <laughs> All right, Vince, that leads me to my next question for you. Where, where did you come from? Where, oh. where, where were the beginnings? The beginnings of, of Hans Hall. So, actually, uh, I was... Mentioned John Tully. Yeah, so <laughs> me and... Uh, I used to work at uh, Easter Seals in Tinley Park. It was a school for autism, um, all kinds of uh, disability services and stuff. And uh, I had met uh, John Tolley through there. He was a guy that worked here, helped out quite a bit. Um, and he had kind of figured out that I was into home brewing and stuff. And he knew that, you know, I was looking for another job. So he was like, hey, you know, you know, these guys need help. So... Decided to reach out and got hired here bartending, which is really cool. Um, so I did that for a while. And um, you know what the problem is? You're at a disadvantage right now because you were busy working while they were telling your story. <laughs> I want to know where Vince came from before he was he was here. Where okay. Did, where, 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 where did Vince's roots start? I mean, when did the home what, when the first homebrew kit get cracked open? For sure, yeah. So uh, <laughs> I actually. Um, my who's my best friend now we we kind of started a band um and we had our first practice at her house in her basement uh and we go down there and i'm lugging all my gear in and everything and i see all this like stainless steel stuff set up and i'm like what is that and like there's like fermenters and stuff bubbling you know and i'm like oh man this is really cool i was like what what is all this and she's like oh it's nothing my dad just brews beer and i was like he what <laughs> he brews beer that's so cool yeah so, um, you know, we had practice that day or whatever, and after that I, I bumped into her, her dad, and um, we got to talking, and he's like, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, I've been doing it for a while. If you ever want to come out, you know, just let me know. And I was like, yeah, I, I think that'd be pretty cool. So uh, I think I went out one day, and we brewed, and it was really cool. Uh, I had a really good time. Um, started getting kind of deeper into it and became really good friends with uh, him. And, um, we had, he actually, one day kind of just was like, okay, well you can do this. And I was like, uh, what do you mean? <laughs> he's like, go wait, ahead. Wh just, wait, what? He's like, I'll hang out and you just, you do it. And I'm like, uh, uh, okay, cool. Yeah. I'm going to go drink. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead and <laughs> he's like, you do this. And he, he hung out and kind of babysat me, I guess. Uh, which was pretty cool. Um, like what scale are we talking about here? Like he had a so he had a five gallon system at the time, all grain. So I jumped right into it. Um, awesome. I mean, he he really helped me. Kind of, he had been doing it. I think years prior to to this, I, five ten years somewhere around there. Um, prior to to that happened to me coming in, um, and it was. It was really cool, and I think he was, he's, he's the main reason why I got, I think, into this, you know. Um, I learned a lot from him, and um, I was able to kind of, like, <laughs> have, a, have a head start on most homebrewers at that point, because I had, I had one-on-one 
you know, um, essentially classes, I guess, <laughs> yeah. uh, with a guy who's been doing it for a long yeah. time. Only idiots go to the Siebel Institute. <laughs> <laughs> Why no, no, no. He, basement yeah. brewing is where to go. <laughs> yeah. No, he. I mean, he. The, he had a really good handle on it, and um, I was able to learn a lot from him. And um, uh, yeah, I just kind of, kind of took it from there. And we eventually started brewing more and more. Uh, we upgraded it to a ten-gallon system, and we were doing like pale ales and IPAs and cream ales and ten gallons, which was pretty sweet because a lot of our friends would come over there for band practice and. Those five gallons would wouldn't <laughs> it would, last very it long. Would disappear really fast. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> so we were all of um, age. And very. I never understood how <laughs> guys that play guitar can get so hammered and still play guitar. Play better. Like when I played yeah. guitar, like I was terrible and I was sober. <laughs> like, I, I couldn't imagine. It becomes there's a point beers. where it's just it's just muscle memory. It's a weird. <laughs> it's a different part of your brain. Yeah. I don't know how else to explain it. <laughs> For me, I always compare it to like uh, like when I like my dad is like. Just picture, like, a dad from that era. Sure. You know, I'm in my mid-30s. Just picture a dad from that era. My dad, like, let him play darts, pool, bags, whatever it is. Give him a few beers, and you just watch the fucking performance level just jump yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, you do. You get, you get a little more confident. You get a little more confident, for sure. It for just sure. relaxes you. I'm like, my dad has no athletic prowess at all, And then, but then you give him a couple of beers and a pool stick, and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, what is happening yeah. right now? But uh, yeah, I got a, a shout out to Brett Barons. Uh, that's that's his name. That's the guy who taught me basically how to brew, and that's why I'm here. Does um, Brett know that you're doing what you do right now? Like, oh yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. He's super happy. Um, yeah, he. Like, I made you, bro. I made <laughs> you. He did. Yeah. He. I mean, I gotta I gotta credit him to getting me here. So and and. So how much of your salary did you kick back to him? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I should, I should yeah. actually, you know, I have all of this equipment in my house right now. At least right a hug now, or so. something. Right? <laughs> yeah. Give him a big hug. What, what did he bring me here? I think that's it's Eleanor. Super Looks brown. Like Eleanor, yeah. It's super brown. Uh, what do I got here? Eleanor? It's got a portery taste to it. Is that, what's, oh, what's Eleanor? That, that would be porter. Eleanor. Yeah. <laughs> it's a port- hey, cheers. All right. Yeah, as soon as uh, the TTB allows breweries to make things with honey. Mm. That's more than forty nine percent. Vince is gonna kill that game. Yeah, he's a mead expert. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! I love my mead. Wait, let's go back. Go, go higher on that. What, what happened there? Forty nine percent. Is that really? Oh, uh, anything more than forty nine percent? Why are you making something that's forty nine percent? No, 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 not forty nine. Oh, that would be ridiculous. Okay, never mind. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. Like I've had mead before. I didn't die. <laughs> yeah. No, I, yeah. <laughs> I sorry, I'm I'm such a like a green when it comes to mead. Like I have no idea the process or whatever. It's super easy. It's it's oh, don't be modest. Well, okay. Super easy. <laughs> it's no big deal. Well, I I shouldn't say it's 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 easier than beer, for sure. Uh equipment-wise, if you're going to do it at home, it's a lot easier than beer. I mean, you just need honey, water, yeast. Those three ingredients can get you a really good mead. I um, have I have a mead from a, oh, home, a home brewer, a friend of mine that uh, he, he listens to the podcast and he actually he was the guy that he he listened so to so many episodes he was mad that I had 
I talk about New England's enough, and he's like, "You've <laughs> never had a trillium or treehouse. I have to change that." So, I traded him some hot butcher stuff, and nice. he and he threw me over some some uh, trillium and treehouses. And he's like, "Hey, I got this homebrew stuff. Try this." So I have a mead from him that I tried. It was really good. And then I've got another one in the fridge that that's been sitting. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a try. But mead is not something that I'm familiar with. Okay. So you're saying honey yeast? Yeah, it's honey yeast and and water. I mean, that's that's really all you need to get just a straight honey mead. Um, I've done, I think maybe somewhere in the area, like six batches, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it takes a long time. Um, something that I noticed about or kind of found out about that is you just really have to have patience. Like <laughs> the first few batches that I made, I was like, these are awful. And I'm like four I'm months out in. of the mead game already. Yeah. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. No patience. Um, it's that six month. Once you get that. It's it's a six month investment period. Um, I just you know once you hit that six month, things start to clean up and drop out, and it just bright everything brightens up and comes back, and it's it's nice. It's it's nice. It's real. It's really really good. Is, is that something that would like honestly like you guys would want to do in the future? Oh like hell if yeah! It, if, as it that'd be so cool. Uh, we as so a much brewery. change is probably gonna happen. I mean, yeah. shit, this the shit is fast. Like what, what's happening in craft beer to me, I think as a whole is fast, right? Yeah. yeah. Hopefully someday the government lets us make cider and uh, cider. Yeah. Uh, right now we can only make too. a braggot, which is up which to would be really forty nine percent honey. What's a honey brag- and what braggot? Malted. Is yeah. Braggot's like 50-50, like, malt honey, right? So you still have got – you can still call it a beer. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, like, what's an end product look like on a on a braggot? Oh, man. I, I Honestly, I, I'm not sure. I've never made one. <laughs> like I would love to. you've never had one or seen one? Or like I've – no. It's a super honey-forward beer. Yeah. yeah. Like, would Jon Snow crush it? Like, would Jon Snow drink that shit out of, like – Jon Snow would like probably a, drink a lot like of, out of that, I'm leather, sure. Like, yeah. out of a leather <laughs> flask. <laughs> <laughs> all right, something made out of like an intestine of an animal. You're <laughs> right. <laughs> all right, cool. All right, that's all I need to know. People now understand. They're like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> no, it, it's crazy though that you have. It 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 just has this this kind of juxtaposition of where the end user and I, I lump myself in with that the, the the end user and the the craft beer dorks and nerds and junkies like that are chasing. And then the brewers and the people that are like putting the heart and soul into this thing that that are, they're delivering to you, I feel like this. Sometimes I have this weird connection between the middle, you know. Whereas I'm, I, trust me, I was in the more line waiting for henna. I was, I, I go to microphone fest and drink all the double dry hopped IPAs. But it's fun to hear like that. Like I'm looking for a pilsner. Like I want something light. I like mead, you know. Yeah. I think guys get so deep into the game of like trading and aftermarket and, right. and you know all that stuff and. They lose sight of, like, what the people that make their beer, you know. <laughs> you know and craft beer is, like, fashion and that it's cyclical. Everything comes back around. You go through the ups and downs of the intense flavor stuff, and then eventually you just want a six-pack of something easy drinking. And like, what was it for you guys? What what, what was the uh, the gateway, you know? What was, like, the, the beer that transitioned you from yellow water to <laughs> to like wow i take pride in what what i crack open now um it was for me it was a, it was gumblehead uh i had one one day and for whatever reason i don't know it just it was like mind blowing for me it's like what is this yes <laughs> like, 
That is the only way to describe that experience. Is what is this? Yeah, <laughs> it was it was crazy. So that that kind of opened it up for me and got me into the whole craft beer world. Yeah, mine was uh, all sorts of just German Hefeweizens, and then after that, I got into Bell's Expedition Stout. Oh, it's wow! My American craft beer that got me into into all this. It, and you know what? Screw everybody else. For me. Give me a breakdown of a Hefeweizen. Like, I've heard, like, banana, clove, like, that people say that. Like, what is what is a true Hefe? Because a Hefe is, like, visually, it looks like what we now like in our IPAs, right? I mean, sure. It's, I mean, it's not supposed to be that like looking, wheat but beer. Yeah, it's uh, wheat, pills, yeast. Yep. <laughs> Damn it. I was expecting way more than it's that. It's super clean water. I mean, it's, uh, it's clove, banana, hint of citrus, little... Dry wheat, sweet. Yeah. Every once in a while, they get a little bubble gum in there. Yeah, bubble gum. Which is good. Like, do you guys do a heffy regularly? Oh, yeah. Do you have one mm-hmm. on right now? Yep. We call our hefeweizen hump and scrump. Yeah. That's one I just had. Okay. So does th- does that one move oh, like an flies, IPA? Yeah. Like, okay. Okay. I mean, nothing moves like an IPA. No, nothing but moves <laughs> like an IPA. <laughs> for yeah. a, a non hoppy beer, that beer flies. Paul, what about yes. you? <laughs> yes. He's taking the rest of the interview off. He's like, <laughs> I'm just here drinking Summerlee, relaxing. Honker's so Ale. <laughs> there you go. There it is. Honker's Ale, around the holidays, uh, I come from a time when um, when you got a bottled beer, you were you were living high on the hog. And uh, Honker's Ale, bottled totally beer, and you were having probably the mess, best meal you were going to have all year on like a Christmas Eve or around the holidays, and you just felt, you know, this is fantastic. Um you, you tried it. You go, oh my gosh! I, I what, what am I having? Who, who makes this? Um, all those, all those emotions came into that beer for me. That's awesome, Honker's Ale. It's the first. I, I, I ask this question almost every time. Some sort of like a gateway, you know, beer question. I think Honker's Ale. That might be the first mention of it. I, I, I love it. Honker's was a great beer. That yeah, beer was so good. Like Gumball Head comes up, you know. But yeah, for me, I, like it's always like it's I'm always very like unoriginal. Well, no, I think it's I think it's an age thing sometimes too. I think it's an age thing. Yeah. So. Like for me, it was Spotted Cow, I think, you know, sure. and like Spotted Cow's IBA, you know, like that, that. That's what we. That's what I hear a lot of, you know. Sure. You get that echoing. Um, some people like have German beers that I've never heard of. I'm like, whoa, you know, but they're just way more advanced than I am. I'm a basic <laughs> bitch. I just can't, <laughs> I can't help it. Yeah, you spend time in Wisconsin, you drink Spotted Cow, and you're like, oh, wait, beer can taste like that, and it's not like, uh, you know. So I'm thinking of your locations. I'm thinking of your uh, areas. So Lamont, where we're sitting right now in this tap room, I'm trying to visualize the best I can after a flight and a few plus beers. Um, are you guys friends with, like, I'm thinking of, like, Imperial Oak. It's got to be. Maybe Metal Monkey might be uh, the other side of that for you sure. guys. Like, yeah. We so do. Uh, how do you operate with those guys? You do. You. I mean, this industry is so amazing when it comes to that kind of thing. Yeah, we're super friendly with them. Uh, we actually do a, a yearly Movember collaboration with Imperial Oak, uh, and then we just did a collaboration with Skeleton Key. So, two of our neighbors. We do. Uh, they were awesome. Right? Yeah. So we do like a bus and back and forth and. We try to introduce our regulars to their brewery, and they introduce their regulars to our brewery, and it's a pretty fun time. Now, you bring up a good point there, because I just had them on the podcast with Skeleton Key, and we talked about the uh, off off mic about the uh, batch they had to dump, but you guys have yours on right now, the basil. <laughs> yep. The basil. So tell me about that beer a little bit. That's 
So that that's beer, a different beer, man. It's a different beer for sure. It's yep. uh it's brewed with all Illinois grown Pilsner malt from Duffin Station. Um, so what's the reasoning behind? It? Is it just like why not? Let's, let's support local. Illinois. No, dog, the whole thing was this. yeah. <laughs> the whole thing was about like a local sustainability initiative. So it was Illinois grown malt, and then we teamed up with the Cog Hill Fairway Farms. How far are you guys from Cog? Like a, a like, minute. Like you can you can probably yeah. you could hit a pitching wedge there. Hey-o. No, sorry, that wasn't <laughs> funny. I apologize. Couple of three woods. <laughs> <laughs> so the. Cog Hill Sustainability Initiative grew a whole bunch of basil for us, and we made basil out of Cog Hill grown, or we made beer out of Cog Hill grown basil. Did you make the basil? (laughs) (laughs) Or did uh, did Mother Nature make the basil? Mother Nature and science made the basil. Science. It was was funny. We We started talking about this before. Before the growing season, so we got together with the sustainability folks, Angelica Carmen, and we we started talking about what what could we what can she grow for us, what can we do as a collab you know as a collab with with um, with Skeleton Key, and uh, you know we came up with the basil two different types of basil, and then uh, the challenge was getting this to grow. And we've had such a horrible, horrible. It was a spring, long winter. And it was long winter, very, very long. So they grew the basil in a, a greenhouse. So it it took a lot of effort. Did, didn't you surprise you when you told her how much you needed? Yeah, <laughs> it's like how many wait, pounds wait, do you think what? you need of this? Wait, really? Because <laughs> a, f- a few pounds of basil is a big bag of basil. <laughs> It is. <laughs> Picture him. Like, yeah, I got, some, I got some fucking idiot <laughs> you at don't, the brewery yeah. over there in town. He wants a thousand pounds of basil. I don't know. Oh, no, yeah. I, I, it's a big bag. Maybe like 10 pounds of basil. It's Think about be. how much a leaf weighs. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the other part was, you know, we, we gave him the date when we had to have it by, right? So that, that kind of, you know, well, you have to start talking to plants to help him grow early on in order to hit, hit playing, deadlines. Playing jazz music for him. Oh, Got to do something. Grow, grow. Yeah. Right, so it's, so it's, it's an interesting beer that I've never had before. Like, yeah, it's not the one that people are going to be like, "Oh, I got to, I got to give myself, uh, you know, a case of that uh, basil beer." But it's it's a cool beer that you're not going to have normally. So we called it Dub's Delight after Dub's Dread. Yeah, it, I think it came out pretty well. I think it's fine. That the skeleton key used theirs for a dunk tank, <laughs> and, you, <laughs> and you guys are selling it in your tap room. Oh, there were some issues, I guess, huh? Hey, they made the most out of it. That's right. They yeah, really they did. did. They Nobody's going to remember our beer. They're going to remember the dunk tank. They yeah. are. Believe me. <laughs> Trust they're gonna, me. Yeah. They're going to be like, oh, that was Skeleton Key, right? They did the dunk tank. Uh, they, they had a good story about that. <laughs> it's not comfortable for men to talk about, though. If you go back and listen to that episode, you'll you'll hear what uh, Paul and uh, John had to say about that dunk tank. It was it made cold. Them burn. Uh. No, it, it was worse than that. It was worse than cold. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, once you got out, they said it was fine. Yikes! So uh, what, what's on the what's on the docket then? I mean, I know we talked about you. You guys just posted recently on social media about uh, fun size. I know we we did a whole section on fun size. Yeah. What's what's next? Uh, well, Roselle uh, is actually we are finally getting our brew system in August. So currently, it's just a tap room and a big area for barrel and fooder storage. Uh, so not bad though. That's cool. No, it's great because and fooders are cool. Yeah, I mean a lot of those are almost ready, so that's gonna be pretty yes. fun. Yeah. Um, 
But we're actually going to have a brew system there in August and make all sorts of cool one-off beers, mostly probably hoppy stuff just because that's what most people are interested in. But, like, it'll give... Uh, Don't Vince. say it like that. You make it sound so dirty. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what most people like. Well, I guess we'll make it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hey, Metal Monkey guy coming in. See? <laughs> Metal Monkey bartender walking right in. With the well, how here we go. perfectly timed is that? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I love the relationships that everybody has with one yeah. another. Yeah. Um, no, but the, the the system. So what's coming out of those fooders? Uh, so the fooders, we, uh, we put in to Roselle in December. And we filled them. So we actually brewed the beer in Lamont and transported it up to Roselle. What's that look like? It was pretty cool. It was sweet. Yeah, it was a pretty. Like it was a big flatbeds pla- like what, big what, what, plastic tote. Yep. Yeah. So we took uh, wort and instead yeah. of cooling it into the fermenter, we just cooled it into the totes and pumped it out when That's we got there. Interesting. I seen that in uh, uh, at 18th Street. Uh, yeah. I know Hammond and Hammond sure. and Gary kind of kind of work it like that. Yeah. So. We put those in in December, like we're the week before Christmas. Um, it, one is a blonde beer with a very big wheat background or wheat base. So it should be like citrusy and tart um, and probably will blend well with fruit. And then the other one will be kind of like a dark orange, light red, uh, kind of like a Flemish red kind of style and that'll be a little more like cherry and not sweet but more malty i mean what's the difference between putting something in a fooder and putting it in a barrel is it fooder like a giant barrel or is it yes come off differently fooder is a giant barrel but the fooders are basically like a mothership for sour beers in the future so Mm -hmm. we don't necessarily need to empty every fooder all the way we can put some of it in other barrels and blend it and then we can add fruit. We could put it in wine barrels. We can do whatever. Or we could leave a quarter of the, the food or beer in there if we think it's awesome and we want to keep that flavor going and yep. top it off with other beer. Um, so it's basically just kind of this big vessel for sour beer that will sometimes get emptied and sometimes get blended and sometimes get topped off and really whatever. Really fun. Yeah. So the whole name behind... Our brewery up in Roselle is Roselaire. So Roselaire is a um, is a city in West Flanders where they make a lot of the types of beers that we're going to be brewing. So the Rodenbach is up there, and a lot of the um, um, the sours and wilds. So we kind of did a little bit of play on words with Roselle and Roselaire. Well played, by the way. So what's the difference uh, when you go when you go up there when you go up north? What's what's going to be the difference in system? Uh, same type stuff. You're trying to keep consistency. You're like, now I get to order the one I want right now. You yeah. know, it was in 2014, I wanted something else. Now in 2018, you know, I've seen this, this, and this. I want that. Sure. So our system here in Lamont is a 15 barrel brew house with 11 30 barrel fermenters and two 30 barrel brights. The system in Roselle will be a seven barrel electric brew house with two fermenters to start that also act as bright tanks of their unit tanks and then a bunch of barrels and fooders so the production will mainly be out of lamont but the small batch stuff that will be mostly tap room only will be roselle and we can make a batch every week or so 
there. So you you be like moving that stuff, the small stuff, like hey, we'll throw some out to Lamont too, or is everything staying oh, yeah. Roselle when it may, it'll be back and forth between the two of them? And I mean, there may be some Roselle only stuff, just like there's some Lamont only stuff right now, but it's it's gonna go back and forth for the most part. So who's uh who's who's kind of the uh, dancing partners around that area then? Who, who's close to you guys? I mean, you, you talked about the starved area, Paul, earlier of that, that you know, for craft beer. Who's even close? Uh, you know, you have an, I, an Itasca, you have Church, um, oh, you yeah. have in Bloomingdale, you have Wolfton, which is coming online. They're, yeah, how um, long have they got still? They look like they're still under pretty heavy construction, right? From what I could see, they've got some the brew system in. I'm not sure about the occupancy yet. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one would be Wild Onion. Yeah. And then you can go to Downers, you can go to Lombard with either Alter and or Noon Whistle. But really, as you start so going Villa further Park, west, there's really not much that yeah. I could uh, grasp that's uh, that's out that way. When I think of, when I think of that Roselle, I think of like Roselle, Itasca, Bloomingdale, and I think of Northwest suburbs. So I'm like, it's my, the first things that come into my head are microphone and Unane, and that's about it. Like, there's not yeah, microphones sparse. close in displays, but Unane is distance. Okay, yeah. So you got one in Elk Grove Village, the other one's in what, Niles? Yeah. Niles, okay. Yeah. It's, so uh, there's really, there's, there's a lot of space out there. A lot of yeah, space for to sure. Work with. It's basically how the southwest suburbs were at one a time. few years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure there'll be one every five minutes and within a matter of six months. That was sarcastic. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> there's only 6,000 now in the country, so. Right. Compared to like 20, what, 13 or 14, there's like 2,000. It's, it's crazy. I, I can't believe the amount of growth that's happened in the yeah. industry. I don't remember what number we were. We were in the before. 60s, I think. No, not. Oh, for, for oh, overall, you mean? Yeah. I mean, in the state, we were in the 60s. 60s. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Wow. That's I mean, the state of Illinois was 60s, woo. so. Yeah, there's like 300 now at this point. Yeah. Mean, something like that. Probably more. Who knows? Opening and closing every day. So, what yeah. day uh, What day's fun size? Do you guys have that already mapped Saturday. out? <laughs> Bourbon this Saturday. Bourbon barrel-aged toasted marshmallow oh, fun size. Wait, like a couple days from now, Saturday? Yeah. Yep. I hate you guys. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to be in Wisconsin. I'm going to get screwed. I'm never going to see it. That's fine. We had somebody oh, call in today and ask though. if they can get a, uh, if, if we could reserve them. <laughs> well, they wanted to know if they can still get, thinking that it already was last weekend. Oh. So when I told them it was just Whoa. coming up, you couldn't believe the euphoric sound I heard in this guy's <laughs> voice thinking it was just coming up and he was still ahead of the game. I'm not sure <laughs> Fantastic. Paul, when Paul says euphoric if he, he came in his pants, whatever that was. I don't know. I don't I'm know sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I, I know that sound. I know that sound. <laughs> Beer boners all over the place. That's you know, When you talk about barrel ages and pastry stouts and stuff that tend to get tend to be erectile. I mean, <laughs> a little bit of Lonely Island. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> I just in, in my pants. <laughs> now you're supposed to be on the back. Damn it. That was a missed opportunity. <laughs> it really was. It's all right. We can edit it. No, no, I won't do that. <laughs> no, it's, a, it's you know, I, I, I don't know how you feel about that. I, Brian, you're Oh, no, we're super excited. I mean, Brian's kind of like, I don't like all the hype and all the goodness about <laughs> it. No. I just don't want anyone to pay attention to me. So mad about all the, <laughs> the cash registers ringing off the hooks. I'm upset about it. No, it's great. So, I mean, like, it's cool to have hyped beers but those also are only 15 30 45 barrels worth of beer yeah to me i'd rather sell 
feel good about those flagships, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd rather sell the flagships. You guys got four, right? Is it four? Or four is it flagships. All right. Break them down. Break them down for the people. You don't have to go too deep. Everybody knows your flagships. Sure. You know. Fulamani is a golden ale. Maisie's a American pale ale. Lexical Gap's an IPA. And Eleanor is a porter. And Which then, I just had, and it was delicious. Right. I think it was my first Eleanor experience. Oh. It was a nice little change-up. Because, I mean, I had, I had almost all the line, you know, of the lighter. Not lighter, but I guess, like, the color-wise. Sure. There's no brown in there, you know? Yeah. So that was a nice little change-up. I dig it. So... How are you two splitting duties? I mean, like, what's your input, Vince? It's like, dude, we should try this. Yeah, fuck it. Let's try it. Like, or is it? Yeah, so Brian's a lot staring of. staring at you. Duty's looking right at you. <laughs> Duty's looking right it's at you. It's actually kind of cool. So a lot of Be the cool. way we come Be up. Cool. Be cool, Vince. Be cool. <laughs> a lot of the way we come up with, like, new stuff uh, is really organic, I think. Um, it's very collaborative. I yeah. Mean, like there was a time when I would just make stuff up and try it, but now I'd rather like throw it off Vince and Brian and right. And I I think that's really cool because yeah, because I mean we all have different opinions and everything, so it's kind of cool to like get you know that collaborative talk going. And I don't know, we'll spend half an hour talking about something, yeah, you know, um, which is to me that's fun that's a that's the that's the super fun part of the job is coming up with new things for sure um and they'll, they they talk me down from a ledge sometimes like <laughs> no we have to add more <laughs> yeah put more in there and or Vince, Vince but and it will be like, clear dude it's fine <laughs> it's it's good i promise it's actually it's really it's nice i like it yeah so um the other thing that's kind of cool too is we have a small homebrew system here that we can do like a 10 gallon batch so if we come up with something that's Maybe a little out of the box. Experimental um, time. Oh. Yeah. We'll, if we have some downtime or whatever, we'll, you know, we'll kind of throw that on and, and, and brew on that in the small batch, see how it tastes, if it's good, we like it, then maybe we'll scale it up, you know? So that's, that's also a super fun aspect, um, which I think is really pretty cool that we have that capability to do. Yeah, for sure. It's like an old cycle brew system or something, like sitting down there, like something just a little small. Not that fancy. No, okay. eh, no it's a few pots. Nice <laughs> can you can you give like a, a just in your own words as a brewer from your perspective, like what what's the importance of that though? Because I don't think people realize from the outside looking in when you get that peek behind the curtain. To me, I see it as experimental. Like we're not stopping. You know, like we it's it's a good contrast what you're saying like i really appreciate our four flagship beers that we can do over and over again and people love it and they will buy the shit out of it but at the same time like what's that importance of that experimental side i think it's i think it's pretty important um if you come up with a beer that's maybe not that great and you say you just brew 15 barrels of it like that's a huge waste (laughs) you know like it's cool to have that Kind of like small system to to try things out on and, you know. Um, we, yeah, we use that more. I mean, we don't use it all the time. No. Usually when we have an idea and we know it's good, like we'll just make a batch. But if we want to experiment with like an adjunct and a certain yeast type, like recently we were interested in using rhubarb. Mm-hmm. So there were a few different yeasts that we were thinking of trying it. So we made a small batch beer and... Just very simple, but just split it up between a few different yeasts and tried messing around with rhubarb in it to see which ones like gave off some cool.
cool flavors and which one blended with the yeast and could inspire us to kind of make a full production batch with mm-hmm. that what adjunct. What type of beer were you playing around with there? Uh, we tried Kolsch, <laughs> Belgian. Yep. Yeah. I'll be participating in that tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> my uncle uh, my uncle procured me some strawberry rhubarb from New Glarus. Oh, nice. make my way north. I just I was nice. curious. I heard rhubarb and I thought, oh. It's Should've very good. Thumbprint. Should have had this podcast tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> if you guys want to come up to Monaco, you're more than welcome. Oh. My uncle has plenty of room and a couple of boats. So if you guys want to fish and drink strawberry rhubarb, be my guest. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it actually sounds amazing, right? <laughs> good. Jump in the back of my dad's truck. No big deal, guys. Uh, nobody. You don't have to run this tap room. It's Wednesday. Nah. So the. Okay, so you're talking about experimentals all that stuff is 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 well and good but what is it that kind of like inspires you guys to make changes like to, what like what do you travel do you go see things like For sure it, yeah i mean like when i uh, i've always been inspired by other people's beers like when i was traveling for healthcare it i traveled every other week around the country and i would s- <laughs> I'd spend my per diem on beer instead of food. Did they uh, know that? <laughs> uh, after a while, they they caught on. I mean, they started asking for receipts, but for a while, I got away with it. Um, so, like, I would try a lot of other people's beers, and I would take that back with me and make it at home and be inspired by it or just kind of put it into, like, the notebook for the future. And nowadays, um, I would say that I think we're more inspired by the the changing shifts in like trends by our customers more so than just like other beers that we'll try like there's so many cool beers out there but like i'd rather make something that our customers like than something that i thought was like weird and interesting i think customers want to have a beer that they can kind of put their fingerprint on and call it their own for sure there's a lot of folks that want to do a um a collab they want to have this is the only beer that's out there um it's made to our specs mm-hmm. you know this is kind of where we want to go with it and um you know it makes it interesting because you know we have to make enough beer that we could sell to them that isn't going to get old and that we could keep selling in our tap room so we like the ideas of it uh it always is fun because everybody comes up with different ideas and they and, and everybody wants to be able to say i made this beer with so-and-so Pollyanna being one of them. And when we do that, it generally works out to be a really good, fun collab. I mean, you have an instant customer base because they're going to, the retailer is going to sell that to everybody. But, you know, some of them want to sell it on draft. Some of them want to do it on in, in, in a package. So it always makes for an interesting um, a conversation on how we're going to make sure the fresh beer gets to the customer and how's, who's going to consume it, how quick is it going to go, and what's the price point? Because we could talk about a lot of things until everybody starts to build up ingredients that all of a sudden become not really cross prohibitive, but you know, who's going to buy this and who's going to guarantee the sale. If you're going to buy it and keep it and you're going to put it on the shelf, who's, you know, whose name's on it. A lot of, everybody says they can sell it and move through it. There's a few that can, there's a few that can't. Yeah. It's good uh, peek behind the curtain of the sales side of it and what goes into like collabs and things like that. Um, it's, 
I've heard people be like, oh, collabs, you know, and people do that as a novelty. I've heard people say that collabs are like the greatest thing in the world. You know, you had an excuse to hang out and drink with your friends that or love the same thing you do. I mean, do you guys do a bunch of them? Do you guys try to keep them to a minimum? Uh, I mean, we're not huge collab guys. We like we try to keep them to a min. But like we had a lot of fun recently with uh, some friends from Minneapolis, uh, from Fair State. So they came down here in the fall and brewed a uh, a sour beer that we put in uh, whiskey barrels that's souring right now. It should be ready pretty soon, actually. Um, and then we went up there this late winter, early spring, and brewed a uh, a Hopfenweiss with them. So we we kind of did you like just say? Hopfenweiss. <laughs> so What's that? It's a like hop- a, a hoppy Hopfenweizen. Hoppy Hopfenweizen. Hoppy Hopfenweizen. So, uh, like, we, I mean, we kind of pick our places with collabs. Um, we're, uh, like I was saying, we're more interested in making beers that are interesting to our customers and the people that want to buy it. I mean, I like, we still have, uh, we have plenty of experimental. I think one of the most fun that's coming out is the reopening of Fishman's. Yeah, we have a cool beer that we're making with Fishman's. It's a double mango, double lexical gap. Oh, so it's a oh, hey. double version of our flagship You're slapping IPA. Slapping your brand on there, yeah. you know, twice basically for I mean, sure. Pollyanna's a brand, but then Lexical's a brand too. Man. Yeah, lexical mm-hmm. gap and variant. Gotta love that little mango, for sure. Yeah. Kind of a you know a thank you for a good customer who treated us right out of the gate when we opened up, and then closed because of the situation and then it's reopening so we figured you know if there's a way to make that fun and make that something that everybody's going to remember um you know it's it's kind of one of those where you say you know is it good for the brand is it good for the brewery well really it's good for the retailer and it's good for them to kind of uh come back out and have something out there that uh people are going to like and hopefully remember paul let's be real it's good for the customer it's good for the lexical gap fan that gets to try it (laughs) in a different state be great of. for the customer. So, uh, we're talking about uh, you know experimenting and playing around and collabs and stuff. How about how about talking about Craft Brewers Conference? Were you guys present? Who? How, what was your guy? What was Pollyanna's role in the Craft Brewers Conference this year? Uh, our business partner Ed went there and looked at. Ed had all things. the fun. He yeah, ate all he the hot all chicken, fun. and you guys got none. Yeah. So that's it. That's all you got. That's, that's, that's <laughs> you just sent Ed. Well, he was looking at a few things. We're looking at a few upgrades to our potential canning and labeling options in the future. Well, we so won't give away too many secrets so about our future plans. What's wrong plans, with what you're doing now? You guys, you guys uh, offer in what different? You guys do twelve and sixteen ounce sometimes, or no? We do you do twelve and sixteen ounce cans. Twelve and sixteen. You all do, sorts you bottle. of bottles. Yeah. So what? What the hell else can you do? Just You'll like see. ink. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> We're doing this, huh? Okay. You got a crawler machine in here? What, I'm trying to guess now. What, what, what the hell else are you going to do? What now? else could I mean, we possibly just, do? Just more? Faster? I don't know. Let's just say that we've uh, we've realized that the, the, uh, the expansive packaging options that we offer is good. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I like so. it. We will continue to okay. expand on that. Do you guys use like the uh, ones that shrink wrap around the can, or is it like we the have, pre-inked yes. ones? Like, oh, okay, so you guys are, do you do one We've or done the other? Or sticker labels, shrink, shrink wraps, printed oh, okay. cans, all that. Do you find one better that you like better than the others, or is it the printed ones look nicer? Ah, okay. It's just 
you got to buy a truckload. Have you guys found, like, do you guys have a place that does all art for you, or is it is it like a... We have a few different guys that we go okay. to. I mean, it just it really depends on, like, the style of the beer and how we're looking for the brand to be portrayed. I mean, we've got some... We've got a few go-to guys that can do pretty much anything from clean and calculated to weird and, <laughs> like, intricate. To, Let's get weird. Yeah, to just random. So it just depends. Can you guys name the beer I'm holding? I can. I poured it. You name it for me, Paul. Arenda Volume 1. Okay. This is a Belgian quad. quad. Okay. So sweet. What do you think? Sweet. Sweet and tasty. Yeah? Yeah. That beer actually was aged in uh, grape brandy barrels and won a medal at Fobab this year. I was going to say, I have, I have grape coming off of this thing, but I'm not really good with tasting and talking about it. Mm. That's why I have a show about the stories behind and not reviewing <laughs> beer. I'm more, <laughs> of, I'm more about uh, talking about uh, your guys' lives than I am about telling you what your beer tastes like, because usually I'm guessing half the time, or I'm <laughs> looking for tasting notes going, I think it's said I should get melon off of this, so I'm so tasting melon it, now. Yeah. Yeah, you know how it is. People, like, read things, and they're like, oh, yeah, I get it. I get it now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm an expert. I taste it now. <laughs> yeah. So what's what do you guys want to leave? I mean, the three guys sat here with me. You gave me, you know, almost two hours of your time already. What, what do you guys want to leave people with, with the Pollyanna brand, the Pollyanna atmosphere, everything? Well. <laughs> and, and this is the, <laughs> I, I, this always causes silence. Oh. <laughs> uh, Pollyanna's not standing still. So um, we're going to continue to bring great beers to both of our tap rooms. We want to we want to engage both of the sets of customers, not only in Lamont but up in uh, Roselle. Um, you know, there's a lot of good things that are going to come out of Pollyanna for years to come. No, you, I still got two more guys to hear from. So oh, man. <laughs> don't think don't think Paul just spoke for you guys. I think from the uh, <laughs> the brewing side of things, we have a lot of things that are either in barrels, in the works, uh, yeah. different packaging options, which we hinted at earlier. Um, <laughs> a lot of really fun things coming up over the next like six to nine months that I think will be different and in- intriguing and like fun for us as brewers to put out there. Yeah. Um. Vince is like, I have the plans to the Death Star on my T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I have the blueprints. No, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, I think, uh, having the Roselle, the smaller system going. Um, I think it's going to be really cool to have kind of that experimental outlet um, as this business is growing and everything. And um, I, think it, I think that'll be really cool. Uh, the fooders are going to be a lot of fun to mess around with. So there's going to be a lot of really cool things coming up. So. All right, I won't take too much more of your time, but I got I got to cover music in the tap room, so it's good. It's a good thing to me. Like, what, yeah. what <laughs> was music like initially a thing? Like, we got to have music, guys, some form of it, or was that something that kind of trickled like in the live music over thing? Time? Yeah, uh, live music. Why not just playing a stereo? Oh, the stereo is a point of contention. I've been watching. The, I've been watching. The, <laughs> I've been watching the Cubs game for the last hour and a half. So. Sure. <laughs> No, but I mean, you haven't been hearing the Cubs game. No, <laughs> no, that's a good point. <laughs> no, we have live music here and in Roselle every Friday. Uh, we've been doing that for pretty much the entire time we've been open. Where's um, that pushed from? Who's motivated? Is that everybody's like, yeah, dude, live fucking music. Let's do this. Or is it like one guy's like, dude, I just love live music. We have to do it. I think it was just a general consensus that like people like live music and chilling on the patio and 
drinking beers. So. Why do you guys hate Vince's band and not let no, him come? No, 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 no. <laughs> kidding. Vince, Vince you have a band? <laughs> <laughs> we need to get him a full I, <laughs> stage. We need to get him a whole thing with yeah. pyrotechnics. We need to get all of that. That would be awesome. Uh, yeah, no, we're a little too big for the for the casual right. kind uh, of in terms of drum sets <laughs> it's a normal right. it's, it's a, a I mean, normal I could do issue <laughs> for most craft breweries and in the, the few that do music and do it well they, they tend to not be able to house an entire band but no it's it's I, I think the two go hand in hand I love to see live music at a place like this and so Roselle also gets it too for sure yeah, yeah. Roselle's huge pretty much Fridays right? Fridays are uh, Fridays live so both in Roselle and Lamont it's uh, it's booked all it's, the time. It's booked all the time. Awesome. We'll we'll try to play both outside, either in the beer garden or out here on the uh, uh, the patio at the I M Canal, and uh, we'll try to do it all the time. It's a uh, it keeps bringing a lot of new folks who you know again we we weren't looking for uh, we wanted to always go to a place as far as the owners where we would enjoy ourselves if we were going out. That's kind of what we you know we said we we'll bite the bullet on. Having some bands come in and having some some acousticals and you know by having them out here, I think we we attract a certain group of people that um, are fun for the brand and are fun to uh, to have out at the brewery. So what else do you guys do like regularly? What's do you guys do like? Do you guys get on the yoga train like on the you know? Ooh. Do you guys do stuff with home brewers in the area? Things like that. We mm. do trivia in Lamont every Wednesday and Roselle every Tuesday. Uh, we've done. Uh, there's more space in Roselle to do yoga, so we've done that a few times there. Uh, we've tried open mic nights. Uh, we homebrewer night we have once a month. Yep, every third um, Tuesday. Oh, nice! We've got so. an awesome day coming up the day after Father's Day, which is beer, wine, meat, which oh, is yes. a uh, collaborative <laughs> <really> effort <laughs> with our friends at with our friends at uh, Chicago Culinary Kitchen, um, Rock and Rodizio. So they're in a they're doing a churrasco style dinner. It's at uh, the brewery up in Roselle, and it's going to be uh, wine, beer, and then uh, meat off the skewer. So if you want to check it out, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. What you said that's the day after Father's Day. Correct on a Monday when we're closed. So we're going to be See open for that and just kind of go. Uh, we're going to go big that day. The guy going who does hog this, uh, wild. yeah. Oh, hog Get wild it? is one hog is wild? for sure. That sounds amazing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know I already asked you guys what do you want to leave people with, but before we wrap it up, I mean, is there anything else you want to want to say? I mean, you guys were awesome, by the way. Just saying. I don't say that just because I'm sitting in front of you, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Beer is delicious. Your place is awesome. And your conversation is top notch. I think there's... Thanks, Vince. <laughs> hey, I'm... <laughs> that was not Vince. That was Joe. I'm a, I'm a cunning... I'm a cunning... I'm a cunning linguist. Yeah, he's a cunning linguist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make my way out to the patio that way. I'm get done with this. No, no, I, I think we just, uh, like, like, as beer makers, we just keep hoping that people continue to drink the beers that we like to drink and, like, it, you know, it's like, sure, we'll make some trendy styles, but, like, we... We truly do appreciate the people that drink our beer that are the ones that drink the styles that we like and the styles that we enjoy, and we hope that that continues. We, sh- we appreciate everybody in the Optimist Society, who's our beer club, uh, that come out and support us all the time. Absolutely. Do you have, like, shirts or anything for that club? Huh? <laughs> haven't oh, seen wait. them. Oh, <laughs> wait. <laughs> 
It looks like a Pollyanna stamp with Optimist Society on it. There you yeah. go. Representing. Hey, why not? Because we're doing good things out here in Lamont. Lamont, I'm sure, uh, has been very thankful to have you guys in this area, I take it. Tend to agree. Yeah, I would imagine. They're probably like, thank you guys. <laughs> You're bringing commerce and fun into our area. A lot of people come into town to uh, check out the brewery, do our tours, come in and hang out on the weekends and just kind of, uh, we provide a chill atmosphere that doesn't, you know, that's different from all the other places in in town. And uh, being a manufacturer, we get a lot of support because of that. Guys, you've been a goddamn pleasure. So I thank you guys all, uh, Brian, Vince, Paul, for sitting down with me. Uh, Average Joe's Above Average Beer Podcast. You guys are episode 40. So I feel like, I don't know if that's a milestone. Everything's a milestone. (laughs) If it is a zero at the end, it's a milestone, right? Yeah. As our episode 40, you guys kick fucking ass. So if you you don't have anything else to add, well, uh, let's let's raise a glass and we'll say cheers. Prost. Yeah. Yeah, prost. Prost, cheers. Cheers, guys. Thanks. And we're out of here. Thank you.